little line that we just sang there is almost like the bottom line of what I want to share today. Is there is there's a time when you and I need to just let go and trust God? And um, what happens is, you'll excuse me, I'm going to work with this thing a little bit. Pastor Norm gets up and I, I can really relate to him today. I don't need these here. But um, said it's been one of those weeks. <laughs> well, it's been one of those weeks. But I believe God's in the house. And uh, I believe he's got a word for you. And so if, if you don't get anything today, just what we sang in that chorus is I believe it's time that God's people let go and and the, what, 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 what's happening is we're, we're not doing that. We're holding on to things. And uh, you, you don't have to stand the whole time here. You can, you can be seated if you want. Or you can get up and run. But um, God wants us to come to a place where we can let go of all of the things that we, we hold on to in life so that we can be what he wants us to be. And, you know, a lot of us, it, it can be a lot of different things. But a lot of us are carrying things that we don't need to be carrying. You know, one of my favorite scriptures is 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting some of your cares on him. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. We've got some Bible scholars here. It's casting all of your cares on him. Why? Because God cares for you. And if we could get it into our hearts, pass this part here and get it in our, our real knower, that there's a God that created the universe and He cares. He knows the hairs on my head that change every day. He cares about me immensely. So much so that He gave His Son to die for me and to die for you. And if we have a God that cares that much about us, we need to be able to let go and let God work in our lives. We need to be able to let go and say, God, here I am. Do with me what you will. We need to be able to say, God, we need to say, not only you can have me, but you can have everything that I have because it's yours anyway. He owns the cattle on a thousand hill and the hills that the cattle are on. God owns the earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And why we cling to things in life that the Bible says you know what? My old pastor used to say, you know what? When you go, when you go to heaven, there's not going to be a U-Haul behind you. He said, you know what's going to happen? He said, they're going to sit around at your funeral and eat potato salad. And at the end, they'll all take your stuff that you was holding on to and grabbing on to. And, and, and uh, you know, I like stuff. We go to garage sales all the time. And I'll tell you, we got stuff. I mean, we got stuff for this and stuff for that and all this stuff and sometimes I think what are we doing with all this stuff because one day I'm going to leave this place and that's going to stay here but I'm working on building up some things up there the Bible says to lay up your treasures in heaven where the, where, where the rush don't get to it and my son had a, had a little deal with his car this, this week started last Sunday and was losing brake fluid. And, um, you know, 
the guy come out, we ended up getting a wrecker. I won't go into the whole story. It's quite an ordeal, but the guy came to, to pick up the car and he, he looked under there and says, well, there ain't no frame left. You might as well haul this to the junkyard. You know, things in this earth rust. They fade away. They go away. And here we are. Here we are, you and I, we're scrounging in life trying to do something that's going to affect the next 80 years when we need to be thinking about what's going to affect eternity. What's going to affect forever? My, my old pastor used to say something here. He said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life will soon be passed. And it's only what's done for Christ that will last. What are we doing with our lives today? Amen? Man, I could almost have you play the whole time. You know that Saul had a troubled spirit. And he said, you know what? Send David. Let him play that. I don't have a troubled spirit this morning. I feel good. But music touches my heart. Touches my heart. I think more has happened to me in my life during worship than any other time. I've repented. I've been restored in my relationship with the Lord. I've received physical healing. I've come from a Pentecostal background. And for two years, I was brought up in it, rolling in the aisles and speaking in tongues. And for two years, I tried to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost, and I couldn't. And I was from way back in the day when they did get around you and shake and say, turn loose, turn loose, let go, let go, and all that stuff. And I tried everything to, to receive the baptism. Couldn't do it. One Sunday morning, I'm just standing worshiping. Just worshiping the Lord. Out of my belly flowed rivers of living water, and I just began to speak in another language. God is good. God is good. How many can sense that God is in the house? I, bl I believe God wants to do something this morning. I'm not going to tell you that you have to there, Rachel, but I'd be all right if you played that. Though. You know what? I, I, I love African-American churches. We, we went to a church in Detroit that was, we were, we were the only just about the only, it was about 95% African-American. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, the, the preacher get to preaching and the guy on the organ would go, eh. <laughs> and it just, it just, something about that just, uh, it, it's a real inspiration um, to me and I love it. I love it. I, I love also the fact of unreserved worship. There was nothing holding them back. They didn't care what you thought. They were going to praise God. And that's kind of like what, that's the heart of David. David, you know, he went out and danced before the Lord and his wife said, oh, look at you, you shamed yourself. And he said, you know what, I'm just paraphrasing. He said, you wait till tomorrow. I'm going to be even more undignified than that. Why? Because I'm not doing it for them and I'm not doing it for anybody else. I'm doing it for him. I'm doing it for him. We need to be able to worship the Lord. Amen. So today, I don't know if I'm going to be short. I don't know if I'm going to be long. It sounded like I might be just a tad loud. So... Um, if I need to be brought down a little bit, uh, you can do that. Um, let's, let's just pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much, God, for your presence in this place. Uh, God, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. And Lord, 
let this man step aside, Father, and God, let the oracles of heaven come forth today. God, I pray that this word would go forth, Lord, into good ground. I pray that here at the Hope, we would not be hearers only, but we would be doers of your word, Lord. God, that when we leave this place today, myself included, that we will look more like Jesus than when we walked in. Father, we uh, pray, Lord, that when all is said and done today, that you would be blessed and you would be well pleased, for we ask it in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, you can uh, open them up to the book of Exodus, the third chapter, and we'll begin reading at verse uh, 3, I believe it is. So Exodus, the third chapter, and most of, what I'm, the, most of what I'm going to be reading today will be out of um, one of two, uh, either the English Standard Version, which I really like. Uh, I'm King James. I was brought up on King James. I, I know King James. I normally quote King James, um, but I found that I really, uh, we listen to the scriptures every night, go through the Bible every year. Uh, we've been doing it for, I don't know, four or five years now, and, and I really like listening to this guy talk the ESV. It seems, sometimes it helps my understanding, not that I'm slow or anything, but I'm slow. And um, so, um, so today I'll be mostly in English Standard Version and some King James. So in, in Exodus, the third chapter, beginning at the third verse, it says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, and the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. You know, just looking at that is Moses, and, and, and this is just a side note, what, you know, every one of us in, in some way, shape, or form has, has had a burning bush experience, and we need to turn aside. You know, how, how, many, how many got your, your sword? You know what? We need to turn aside once in a while and see what God has to say, because when, when, when we turn aside, let's see what happens here. He said, I will turn aside and see this, this uh, great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, listen to me this morning. The Bible says, if you will draw an eye to me, that's what God says. If you will draw an eye to me, I will draw an eye to you. If you will get close to me, I will get close to you. How many's ever had a time in your life where you felt like you were so far from God? that you never get back. Been there, done that, more than once. Felt like I was so far, and, 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 and you know, the thing about when you're in that situation, normally, uh, when you're in that situation, in your heart, what you feel like is he doesn't want to talk to me anyway because I'm so far from him that I've, I've, I've messed up so bad, God doesn't want to talk to me. But listen to me, when you turn aside and you draw an eye to God, and this is how I look at this, and you've seen me do this a hundred times, but it bears doing a hundred and one times, because when we take one of our steps towards God, okay, hear me, how far can I step out? Not quite as far as I used to be able to, but how far can I step out? Maybe four feet, five feet, six feet, that's how far I can step out. So I take a step towards God, and then God takes one of his steps towards me. And the ground is covered just like that. All that's necessary is that I turn aside towards the Lord. 
that I take my eyes and my focus off of myself, off of the things of the world, and I turn aside and I make a, a move towards God. When you move towards God, God moves towards you. Amen? So when he moves aside, verse 4, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, then God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, see, he talks to you when you turn aside. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take off your sandals off your feet, for the place upon which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, verse 7, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and all the otherites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel came up to me, and I have seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them with. If you'll allow me this morning just a little speculation. Moses is out. He's tending the sheep and, uh, of his father-in-law. And, uh, and all of a sudden he sees the burning bush and he turns aside. And so here he is, a shepherd, okay? And he's, he, the guy's got a pass if you know your scriptures. Uh, actually, he, he, he had to flee uh, Egypt because he, he murdered somebody. And so he, he ended up out there with married uh, this uh, lovely little gal named Zipporah. So here he is out here, and he sees this burning bush, and he goes out, and the Lord begins to talk with him. How many knows that God will talk to you? Okay, so the Lord begins to talk to him, and, and you know what? This, here's this guy. He's going, wow, I look at this bush. It's burning. It's not being consumed. I go over and I take a look at it. God says, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. And, and then God begins to talk to me, and he's telling me his plans. He's wait till I get home. I can't wait to tell my little wife, Zipporah, what happened today. I can't wait to tell Jethro what happened today. I saw a burning bush, and God was talking to me. He was telling me his plans. He was telling me what he was going to do. And boy, his plans are good because, you know, I was over there in Egypt and I saw Pharaoh and I saw what he was doing to my brothers and sisters. I saw it. And God's going to get them. Oh, he's going to come down and he's going to deliver them. He's, God is a deliverer. Oh, and he's in the amen corner and he's thinking this is great. This is fantastic. I love it. And, and, and here's the thing. God's telling me. I can't wait to get home and tell Zipporah what happened today. How many's ever been in one of those services where you're, you're there and the, the God is moving tremendously and you're thinking, oh man, when I see stones, I'm going to tell, man, you should have been there. You should have. How many have ever been in one of them services? You know what? Today could be the day. Today could be the day. God is in the house today. And God wants to speak to your heart. God wants to speak to your life. Amen? So all is great and all is good. All is well, right? Yeah, it's great. So we go to verse 9. 10. So, so far God has told him his plan, what he's going to do, 
how he's going to come down and deliver the Israelites from the Egyptians and from Pharaoh. And then in verse 10, he tells Moses a little bit more of his plan, God does. And he says, come, I will send you, 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 I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people out, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses, at that point, was experiencing an identity crisis that every single one of you and I have faced. Who am I? God taps us on the shoulder, and God asks us to do something. And I'm going to tell you something right now. When God asks you to do something, it's going to be bigger than you. When God asks you to do something, it's going to be something that you're going to look at and you're going to say, I can't do that. It's not in me. That's the whole point. Let go and trust God. Let go and trust God that he can move through your life. God delights in showing his glory through his people. Why, why does he do it the way he does? Because in the end, he gets the glory. So Moses is having an identity crisis. Moses is saying, <laughs> not me, who am I? <laughs> in fact, I, I, I'm not going into all this a little bit later on, but there's another place a little bit further down in, in chapter 4. He says, this, this discussion went on for a long time. Two chapters and even past. And Moses is saying at one point, he says, hey, uh, can't you send somebody else? Can't you send somebody else? So what, what happens is we look at ourselves and then we look at, here's something else we do. We look at the people around us. And this is, this is, this is kind of what we, what we do. You know what? If I had his money, if I had her voice, if I had her talent, if I had his education, if I wouldn't have been brought up in the home that I was brought up in, if this and if that and if this and if that, and we have to come to the place where we can understand God wants to get glory out of your life. And it's not that God needs us to help Him. We need Him to help us. But it happens when you and I give up and let God reveal His glory through us. You know what? You can say, all of these disqualifiers that I have things in my life and my past that I wouldn't tell a one of you because you'd never think the same about me. But God knows all about that. So you and I, we, we look at our lives and we say, well, my marriage, my marriage isn't perfect. My finances aren't right. And we do all of these things to disqualify ourselves. And God is saying, I want to bring glory through your life right where you are. I've been in jail. I am in jail. My marriage has fallen apart. And God is saying, no, no, no. I want to bring glory through your life right where you are. I want to move in your life. I want to move through your life so people can see you and what I'm doing in you and give the glory to God. It doesn't matter 
What it takes is it takes being able to say to the Lord, here I am, here I am, send me. That's what it takes. And God, you know, he, he, Moses says, well, you know, I've got this great job. I had a really good job before we came over here. I'm sorry, I'm dry. But I had a really great job, and, and um, we, were, we had enough to make about three different worship teams. It was a really great church, and I'd been there for 15 years and was an associate pastor, and, and just awesome things are happening there. And we, uh, people used to bug us all through the years. He said, man, why don't your church tie the, your musicians to other churches? Because there's churches around here that don't even have a worship team. Uh, they're doing with DVDs. And so we began to send out uh, groups of people. And, um, you know, me and my wife was in that group. And there was a, four or five other uh, people that would go out to different churches. So we came over to Mount Hope one time about, uh, I don't know, 13, 13, 14 years ago. And uh, led worship. And then come back about a month later and led worship. And I preached. And then unbeknownst to me, Pastor Nor and Pastor Barb went over and talked to my old pastor, which is the right thing to do. They didn't come to me. They went and, and talked to him first and asked if it was all right if they, uh, you know, if they approached us about coming over and being, being the worship leaders. And uh, so they did. And in my mind, we had been there for 15 years. And in my mind, man, I loved where I was at. We were living on a farm with 120 acres. And, I'm, and this happened two or three times. People would come and say, you know, go here. And I, I just blew it off. Man, you know, I'm, I don't want to do that. Forget it. And uh, so... After they, after they talked to us, I was, in my mind, I was just going to blow up again. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I like it where I'm at. And, uh, but God put a big check in my spirit and said, don't do that. Don't do that. I want you to go. You know, we, we need to hear the voice of the Lord. And what happened is through prayer, through me and my wife praying. And God, God has such a way of working things out. Because we wanted to make it a family decision. We wanted it to not just be dad saying we're going and we're going and that's it and blah, blah, blah. You know, and uh, we, uh, the, the worship team that we had had come over and done family camp for five years. And um, so during that five years when our team was doing worship, guess who was doing children's ministry at family camp? Pastor Norman, Pastor Barb. So my children knew who Pastor Norman and Pastor Barb was. They had done the family camp children's thing for five years. And so and God worked all of this stuff out. Um, God so knows what's going on. And so after I began to pray and, uh, and pray a little bit more and pray a little bit more, and pretty soon I got to the place where I knew that I knew that I knew we were supposed to come here. I'm telling you all of this to just say, to see how God works in a life, how God does things. And... Um, but I had said to the Lord, I'd said this. I'd said, Lord, you know I'm going to need a job. I can't come over here without a job. I've got to have a job. You know, I'm on staff here part-time, but I, I need a job. We, we've got to be, we got bills. I've got bills. <laughs> we got bills. And um, so didn't have one. And I'd come over and done an interview and, and stuff and filled out a lot of applications. And then finally, when, when I, I, I just got to this place where I knew that I knew we were supposed to come, but I wasn't going to do it presumptuously. I'm one, I'm one of those ones that I am not the guy that busts the door open. God's got to open it right up around, you know, that's it. So, so anyway, so anyway, God opened the door. And, and uh, my, my uh, old boss, Larry, called me and he said, I'm going to hire you. I'm gonna, or Steve said, I'm going to hire you. 
And, and I look back at that, and, and, and I'm just telling you, if God would have given me that job the next day, you know what I'd have done? What did I do? What did I do? I'm leaving this place that I love, and I'm, I'm, I'm on this farm, and I'm loving it, and i got a great job I can make out my own schedule. I, all that's what happened. God waited until I knew that I knew that I knew we were supposed to be here. And then he gave me a job. God wants your heart to know you need to trust in the Lord. Amen? So God wants to get glory out of your life. He wants to use you to bring glory to his name. And, and we need to stop looking at what other people... And I preached a message 35 years ago. You know, we all got this bucket with our gifts in it. And everybody's looking right around. What's in your bucket? Oh, look what you got. Oh, what's in your bucket? Oh, look what you got. Forget about that. God wants you to use what he's given you. God wants to use you just like you are. He wants to use you. Forget about the other people's gifts, the other people's talents. God wants to use you. Would you say, point out to yourself, and God wants to use me right where I'm at. Not when, you know what? If we all waited until we could speak like Billy Graham, I would have never spoke. I would have never spoke. I love my dad used to tell me, dad's gone on to heaven and one of these days I'm going to be there and be with him. What a preacher. But he used to tell me, son, when you're going to preach, he said, I don't care if Billy Cram is on the platform. If God's called you to preach and you have the appointment there, God's going to anoint you. So it doesn't matter where you think you are. We need to take ourselves away from this thing of having this identity crisis and knowing who we are. Listen, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are more than conquerors. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of the living God. You're a part of that church. And God has ordained victory for your life. So when God calls you to do something... You know, most of us believe this. Most of us believe that we have, we can never, God can never be glorified in our lives until we, uh, and do something significant to us unless A, B, and C happens. And that's not true. God wants to have glory in your life right where you are. And all it takes is a willing heart. Listen, you know what? As Jesus said to the disciples, hey, 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 and this is true of every one of you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I chose you, Mac. You didn't choose me. You got up one day and you went to church and you thought you were going to do this and you were going to do that. No, it was me. It was the Holy Spirit all along that drew you into the house of God. It was the Holy Spirit that tenderized your heart. You didn't choose me. I chose you. You are chosen people of the Lord. You're a royal priesthood. God has chosen you. He wants to use you. And so you got to look. God is, you know what? I love this. How many remember, listen to me, how many remember, because I remember this in gym class, and that was a long ways ago, so my memory is really actually pretty good, because that was a long time ago. But I remember, because I was a scrawny little kid, you know, when I went into the service, I went into the service, I was 125 pounds. Yeah, what happened? And when I come out, whoo, I couldn't button up my shirts. They do something to you in there, you know, three squares a day and a little bit of exercise. Will do, you know what? And what I saw in there, this is, there's something to this, this health thing. Three squares and, and exercise, and the guys that walk in like me, 
they come out like this, and the guys that are skinny, the skinny guys put on weight, big guys lose the weight. There's something good about that, amen? So anyway, but I remember distinctly being in the gym class, and I was always a little bit uncomfortable, and, uh, but, but we had, I forgot it, dodgeball. That's what it was, dodgeball. Yeah. And, and, and so there'd be this real, you know, buff guy and, he, and, and another real buff guy, and they'd, they'd pick teams. And you know who they were picking? They were picking the big, bad, buff guys. And so you're standing over there, you're skinny at that time, probably 90 pounds or whatever, and you're the last guy to get, you know what? When God picks his team, that's not the way he looks. When he wants to slay Goliath, what does he do? He goes out and gets a little shepherd boy. He doesn't look at Eliab, just like when, when the Sam, Samuel the prophet came and he said, it's got to be this guy, and God says, oh no, oh no, I'm not looking at the outside, I'm looking at the heart. I'm looking at the heart. God is looking at your heart. God wants to use you. When God picks his team, he, you know what? Let me read a scripture to you. I love this scripture. It's one of my favorites. It's not that God doesn't use smart people. He does. But if you got any brains, guess where you got them from? You got them from God. All good things come down from heaven, from him, from the Father of lights. 1 Corinthians 1, 26-34, You see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, woo, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He has chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of this world and the things which are despised. God has chosen God has chosen you and I when the disciples were walking. You know what? They brought the disciples out and they looked at them and they, they were trying to figure out they were doing these miracles and all this stuff and they got them together and they started talking to them and guess what? They perceived that they were ignorant and unlearned men but they also took note of something and the same thing that they took note of you and I possess. They perceived that they had been with Jesus. I've been with Jesus. Oh, He walks with me and He talks with me and He tells me I am His own. Hallelujah. I may not be the sharpest tack, but I am called and chosen of God. You might not be the brightest one in the bunch, but you are called and chosen of God and God wants to use you. God wants to get glory out of your life right now where you are. Yeah, yeah, woo! So let go and let God, let go and let God use your life. Hallelujah. We can't do anything we feel like significant for the Lord. Going back to that verse that I just read, why? Why does God do that? Why does God, Todd? That, that's 1 Corinthians uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 26 through 30. Actually, I'm only through 20. I'm going to read 29 now. Why, why does God do that? Why, does God, why did God choose David? Why did God choose Gideon? 
You know where Gideon was when God called him? Hiding. Hiding in the wine press. And, and, and the angel come out and, and said, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. <laughs> oh yeah, me. I'm hiding in the wine press. I'm the least of my father's house. I'm the least. My tribe is the least tribe. And what you <laughs> mighty man of God. That's what he's saying about you. Mighty man of God. Mighty woman of God. I want to use you. Why does God do that? Verse 29 in 1 Corinthians of, of, of the first chapter, that no flesh could glory in his presence. Paul said, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. That we know that when people look, that's why God wants to get glory out of you in my life. Even in the most destitute circumstances, even in the worst of circumstances, even when other people are looking at your life and going, <laughs> I don't know, and then God comes through. Every time God comes through, and then they can look at your life and say, wow, wow, if that's what God can do. And, 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 and you know and understand, <laughs> I love this scripture. It was speaking of Jesus Christ coming and being the, the chief cornerstone. But people can say, this is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the Lord's doing. Let me give you a couple of scriptures here. Matthew. Chapter 5, verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men. How many knows we're called to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God. So there's something there. There's something that we do. Good works. We do good works. God has called us to good works. Listen to this. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are His workmanship. God is the one who called us. God is the one who made it us. You know, you know uh, uh, Moses started talking about it. He said, hey, hey, I'm slow of speech. You know, you know what God said? Who made you? Who made your mouth? And if you go into the book of Acts, I believe it is a little bit further uh, down, if you go into the book of Acts, you'll find out that it records in the book of Acts, it says, Moses was mighty in speech. So it's how he was perceiving himself. You know, when the, when the, ten, when the ten spies or the twelve spies went out to spy out the land, the promised land that God had promised them, and they came back, and two of them, Joshua and Caleb, had a good report. They said, it's ours, let's go take it. Look at the grapes. We got two guys carrying a, a bundle of grapes like this. Let's go get it. And the other ten said, oh no, there's giants over there in the land. And they said to us, to them, we seem like grasshoppers. And God, 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 it doesn't, that, when God says you can take the land, you can take the land. But a lot of us are going and looking at ourselves and saying, I look like a grasshopper. We need to get out of that. We need to let go and trust the Lord. Amen? God's got a call on your life. And He wants to bring glory. God delights in showing His glory through His people. God delights in showing His glory through His people. I, I believe that we are in the last days. I believe if you don't understand right now that we are in the very last days, yeah, all you got to do is look around. Look at what's going on in the world. Israel is a timetable. 
and you can see that we're there. This is our time to make it count. This is our time to drop the, all the silly stuff of the world. And I'm not saying you, everybody's got to live. Everybody's, I, I, we know that. But what's your priority in life? What's your priority in life? God wants to use every single man, woman, boy, and girl right where you're at. Wants to bring glory through your life. Now listen to me. Not only does God want to use you, he'll use what you got too. And as Moses went on and has had this conversation, and most of you know the story, and I'm not even going to go into it that much, but you know, he, you know, Moses is still him hawing around and, and having this big identity crisis, and God said, hey, what's in your hand? It's on a staff. What's in your hand? Staff. And God said, all right, I'm, you're going to use that staff. And he gave him Aaron. It, you know, it's good to have brothers and sisters to walk together. Iron sharpens iron. You know, so he sent Aaron along too. But, but God took that. God, listen, that's why Paul, Paul said in one place, he said this. Uh, he said, I will gladly spend and be spent for the, for the cause of souls, is what he was talking about. What does that mean? I will gladly spend and be spent. Well, spend means whatever I've got, I'm willing to give it for the cause of Christ. You know, that, that's a hard issue there. You know, tithing, anything else. You, we need to be in a place where if God says, I want this, I want that, whatever it is, we say, okay, God, here. It's all yours anyway. It's all yours anyway, exactly, whatever it is. So Paul was saying, I will gladly spend. I'll spend what I got and be spent. You can spend me too. You can use me too. I'm your instrument. Play me, spend me, use me. That's the heart. And so, um, but, but listen to this. If we will take, if we will take what we have and give it to God, ooh, ooh, you know what happened with that staff? All sorts of things happened with that staff. They got to the Red Sea. This is the culmination. And he stretched that rod out and the sea parted and they walked through on dry land and then here come Pharaoh and, the, and all of his army and they got swallowed up. God likes to take not only his people, but he likes to take... If you're willing to give what you got, you know what, hey, hey, listen, he said to the disciples, oh, oh man, we got, there's 5,000 dudes here and they're all hungry and they got their family here too. What do you got? Well, I got five loaves and two fishes. Well, will you give them to me? If you give them to me, so he gives them five loaves and two fishes, and what happens? They feed 5,000 people plus women and children, 5,000 men and women and children. If we will give what we have to God and see what God does with it. God is able to take what you and I have and make it so much more, and here we are grabbing onto it and holding onto it. Just like the talents. You know all the, I'm the, You guys know the story of the talents, don't you? Yeah. Don't bury yours in the ground. God's given you gifts. God's given you talents. He wants to use you right where you're at. Amen? You know, this is past the point, but in 1969, how old was you, honey, then in 1969? Huh? She was three years old, my wife. I started working at the Great Atlantic and Pacific Tea Company. Yes, 
<laughs> now listen, Ed, I, think, I think we can find there's biblical grounds for this. That's good. And um, back, my, my old pastor, him and his wife, 14 years apart, little story. Um, yeah, I, most of you have heard this, but um, I was probably about 15 years ago. My wife says to me, I'm going to have to start doing, you know, doing something to your hair. I'm looking like I'm going around with my dad. And <laughs> now, she's, now, now she's doing it and I won't let her quit. <laughs> I just got a recent job here, isn't it? Yeah. Because I'm, uh, Mac, I'm probably like you right now. But uh, anyway. So in 1969, I, I was, I, I, uh, in the fall of 1969, I started uh, working at the Great Atlantic and Pacific Tea Company. For those of you that don't know, that was called AMP. For those of you that don't know that, that was a grocery store. It was the Walmart of the day. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, it was the only, um, it was the only national supermarket chain. It was all over the whole United States. Very big. Gone by the wayside now. Gone, gone, gone. It's like everything else that we try to hold on to is going to be gone, gone, gone. Let go and trust God. Amen? So anyway... I start there, and I'm 16 years old, and boy, am I wet behind the ears and green and everything else. And so I'm working there, and I think it was in my first week there, some, uh, one, of the, one of the boss guys there said, hey, look, Roger, uh, go down to the basement and get, it, get that shelf stretcher and bring it up here. Well, I, I just went looking around and, and uh, was asking around. People saying, you know, where, I, where the, the, the basement, where do you get in the basement? I've got I to gotta get the shelf stretcher. There ain't no basement. And there's no such thing as a shelf stretcher. And I'm looking, and you know, I got, uh, you know, lots of laughs. A lot of people are laughing and, and, and everything like that, you know. And, said, you know, and so I learned, you know, what, but, but what, what's my point? God will never send you for a shelf stretcher. He will never send you for a shelf stretcher. God will send you for what you need. And a lot of times you and I are going around trying to find something. You know, it's the enemy that always says, what was, what was he saying in the garden? In the garden of Eden, they had every single thing they needed. They were set. It was a beautiful thing. And here comes the enemy, what does he tell them? The one thing that they don't need, what's he telling them? Oh, look at this. It's good to the eyes. It's going to taste good too. God will never send you for a shelf stretcher. He will never send you for something that you don't need. What you and I need is the Lord and the fullness of the Lord. Amen? I'm winding down here. You guys good? So God wants to take not only you and use you to bring glory to his name, he'll use what you got too. And if we're willing, if we're willing to give up and, and say, okay, God, here. You know, sometimes God, God's got something he wants to give us, and it's really cool. But you know what? You've got to open up your hand and let go so that you can receive what he's got. You, you're holding on to this little minial thing, minuscule thing. It doesn't mean anything. And God's got this big blessing that he wants to pour out on you. And you're holding tight to this. Right. And if you'll just let go of that and see what God's got for you. God's got for you. 
God's got something for you. God wants to use you. How many know that today? How many know God wants to use you? Rachel, why don't you come up? I'm going to close down. You know what? Every single one of you, God speaks to you. We all got our burning bush. You know, when, 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 I, look at, when I look at that passage of Scripture and I, I, I look at what God was saying about, you know what? I've seen the affliction of my people. I've seen how that they're being uh, tormented and, and they've got a terrible taskmaster. And I, I want to use you, Moses, to go and facilitate setting those people free. You know, there's a world around us that is serving a cruel taskmaster, that is serving someone that has a threefold mission. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And God has called you and I to be light, to be salt, and given us the message to go and to let them know, you know what? You can be free. You can be free. God wants to use you just like he used Moses. You say, well, what do I need to do? You just need to be willing. Some of the same things that he said to Moses, if you look at, if you look at our charge in, in Matthew 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved and whoever does not believe will be condemned. You know, he gave him that staff. Moses had that staff and, and God did something special with that. Listen to what he's given us. These signs, these signs will follow the, the preacher. These signs will follow Benny Hinn. These signs will follow Oral Roberts. These signs will accompany those that believe. Who believes? I believe. These signs will follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. Listen to this, 2 Peter 1.3. According to his divine power, God, according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, that through the knowledge of him hath called us to glory and virtue. Everything that you and I need, God has given us. Everything that we need to go forth. Most of you know this scripture, 1 Timothy 3.16. All scriptures God breathed. That's our, this, you know what? This is our burning bush. It's right here. You open this up and you look at it and God speaks to you. But what, what does he say about it here in, in, in uh, 2 Timothy? It says, all scriptures breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We are without excuse. We are without excuse. God has done everything and he's paid the price for it and he wants to use you and me. And he wants to show his glory through us. That's exciting. God wants to show his glory through you 
and through I. Amen? What do you do? I like this in Ecclesiastes. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for there's no work or device or knowledge and wisdom in the grave where you're going. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When we, once we breathe our last, our sermon's been written. But we can do something now. Listen to me this morning. Moses said, who am I that I could do this? It's not who you are. It's whose you are. I'm a child of the king. That's why I love that song. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm not enslaved by the, the fears of the world. Let's stand this morning. How many feels like God spoke to your heart this morning? God, and in, in, I know these are things that they're cliches, but they're so true. Hear me this morning. God is not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. God already knows who you are. He knew you, when you in, in, in your mother's womb, and he's saying to you this morning, <laughs> you, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And it's the lie of the enemy that's saying to you, oh, God doesn't want to, God can't use you for this, God. That's a lie from the pits of hell. God wants to use you. Let your light shine. So whatever your hands finds to do, that's a good place to start. And then get out to your burning bush and begin to take a look. Take a look at what God says and God will talk to you. How many, I, I'm going to tell you something this morning. There's people in here this morning who know what God's called you to do. How many, how many, how many will say that? I know, I, know, I know what God's called me to do. Believe it or not, I was here two years. And I've been serving the Lord for 30-some years. I was here two years, and it finally dawned on me what my calling was, what I was, what I was really, really, really called to do. And, uh, you know, it's not just one thing. I mean, God expands that. You know, Stephen started out waiting tables and moved on to be stoned. You know? Yeah. But what a way to go. You know, when, when, when the world is, you know, that's a Lego song they used to sing, heaven is just a stone's throw away. Because when he was being stoned, he did two things that impressed me tremendously. He said, Lord, don't lay this sin to their charge. And he said, I see Jesus. One day you and I are going to see Jesus. And that's the day that I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And that can happen for every one of us if we're just willing to let go and let God reveal his glory in our lives right where we are. Amen? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to close. Your ability to glorify God is not based on what you can do to help God, but on what God can do to help you and get glory. So if you're here this morning, and I'm, 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 we're just going to say a prayer, real quick prayer, we're going to close, but if you're here this morning and you feel like God has prodded you a little bit and said, yeah, you need to move. You need to move on that. You need to be a doer of what you're hearing this morning. I'm going to ask you, there's not as much room as there used to be up here, but I ask you to just come forward and we're just going to say a, pr a prayer in closing.
And, uh, and then I'd ask you to pray for me and my family as we uh, head out and go down the road. But if you're here today and that message has touched your heart in any way, come on up and just say, this is a way of saying, God, here I am. I know that you got a call in my life and I know that you want to use me. And, uh, and I'm here and I'm willing. And you, <laughs> I'm willing and you're able. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You know, one of the things that I didn't, I didn't share, but if you, if you go in and look at that whole passage in, in, um, in Exodus, almost every single time they went through those plagues and every time that um, Moses went to Pharaoh, this is what he said, let my people go that they may serve me. We are set free to serve the Lord. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So God set us free so that we can serve Him. Amen? That's good preaching. Amen. So let's uh, just uh, lift our hands to the Lord. Just say, Lord, here I am. Send me. God, I am willing to be used by you. Spend me and what I have for the cause of the kingdom in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place today. And God, again, I pray that this word does not fall on deaf ears. I pray that the ground that this word went into today is good ground. And that here at the Hope, we will not be hearers only, but we will be doers of your word. God, that people can come into this place and they can understand that there is hope here because we represent hope where there is no hope, and that hope is in Jesus Christ. Father, use this assembly uh, as never before. God, spend us and use us as a body of believers. Father, we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, give the Lord a hand of praise. God is good all the time. God is good. You are dismissed. I don't I don't know if we've got